0: Let's open our Bibles, please, to Matthew, excuse me, uh, Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7. We started last time, and uh, if you remember, uh, this is what we started with. Woe is me. Any of you have a woe is me week this week? How about this morning? How about on the way here? It just happens as part of life though, isn't it? But you know, I was thinking about it, and sometimes uh when you speak, you get the you get these good ideas after you're all done. Right? You go home and you're thinking, oh, now I know what I should have said. I you know that really would have brought together. So this is what I came up with. We say, Woe is me, but this is what God says. Woe! Meaning, stop. It's me. Look to me. And that's really kind of what the message was all about last week that, you know, when everything's going wrong and stuff just isn't happening right, who can you trust? Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? And that's what. The deal is for for you and I to look to Him, and He's always telling us, you know, you gotta you gotta stop that because we we have a tendency to hit the panic button, and uh, you know I've I've described to you the panic button we have at our house. It's very large, red, about this big, <laughs> and within reach of anybody who wants to find the panic button, and uh, it happens frequently, but God says, whoa, back you know, back up a little bit here and look to me, see what I'm going to do in the situation, see how I'm going to work things out. And and, uh, it's a lesson in faith, isn't it, really, for all of us? It's a lesson in faith. Are we going to trust him or are we going to trust ourselves and try to work it out ourselves? So that was the verse we looked at. uh, uh, But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior, and my God will hear me. So it's this choice that we make to to look to Him, to focus on Him, and to pray as we wait upon Him. So today I want to look at the next section there, and and really it's also about a choice that we have to make, and life is full of choices, we know that. But this is the question that that I want to ask today, is, is what do we do when we fall? What do we do when we fall? Last Saturday, uh, not yesterday, a week ago, uh, I went to a bunch of us went to a gymnastics recital for the grand. The granddaughters were in this gymnastics thing at the YMCA, right? And they're doing all these different things, and and but there's this bar thing that they get a big wooden bar. I think that's what they call it, right? The bar, the beam. That's it. Thank you. And so they're climbing, these, these little guys, you know, they're little kids. They're climbing up on this beam. And I'm going, I don't want to even, I wouldn't want to get up on that beam. And so what happens frequently? They fall off, right. Frequently, that, that's what happens. So so as you're watching this and, and you know, watching the grandkids and, and doing the thing as well, uh, they would fall off. And so I said to... I was watching, and I asked the kids afterwards, I said, I noticed that you know, beam thing, and you're all up there. I said, I said, I'm thinking about this for next week. This is the question. What do you do when you fall off the beam? It's like, well, duh, grampy. That's what they call me. You get back up again. It's like, what do you think? But is it really always that simple, right? What do you do when you fall? You know, you, you get back up, right? When you're learning how to ride a bike, you know, and, and I can't remember learning how to ride a bike, but I've you know, helped my kids and my grandkids to learn how to ride bikes, and, and they fall, right? As soon as you take those training wheels off, that's what's gonna happen. But it, you know it's so true in all kinds of different sports and all kinds of different things, we fall down. But isn't, isn't it also true in life? The challenges that we have in life, the failures that we have in life. Now, it isn't always the same. You know It's a different situations, but we, we find ourselves down on the ground, looking up. We find ourselves in a place like that. It happens lots of different ways though, doesn't it? It's not just one avenue to get there. Sometimes we're knocked down by enemies. We're hit by the enemy and we're hit so hard we're you know, pushed to the ground. That's what we're gonna see. He talks about that a little bit in this passage. Sometimes uh, you know, there are just things in the road, some things in our, in our path that we stumble on, we fall over. Sometimes we just make bad choices. Sometimes we just blow it. We fail. Sometimes it's just life in this world. I think that's why we can all relate to it, because it's just life in this world, and we end up down. We end up, we're on the ground. But someone said this, it's not how many times we fall, it's how many times we get back up again. So that's kind of what we're talking about today, that we can be down but not out. That's what I want to talk about today. So let's start in verse seven, uh, chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. He says, Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. And though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and establishes my right. He will bring me out into the light, and I will see his righteousness. Now this passage uh, really is, is speaking about Israel, about Judah, and, you know, Micah as a prophet is writing to the people of Israel. You know, the, again, we, we've talked about the job of the prophet to bring the people back to him, but they, they were making some pretty poor choices. And it was just a matter of time before they would fall. First the northern kingdom and then the southern kingdom, they would fall. They would be taken away. They would be taken into captivity. But still, despite that, God had a plan. Now, was it their own fault? Yes, it was absolutely their own fault that they ended up in those places. When you read about the history of the nation of Israel. It was their own fault. They ended up there because of choices they made, because of turning away from the Lord, because of worshiping false idols. That's true. But God still had a plan. God still had a purpose. And you see, God, that's, God is called the Redeemer. God can redeem. And that's what God has done. And that's what God is doing. And I think that we can apply what is being spoken about here in these verses to ourselves as well. They're true of us as well. He starts off by saying, do not gloat over me, my enemy. And, and you know that uh, enemies, they love to gloat. That's kind of a weird word, though, isn't it? Gloat. But they love to gloat. They love to uh, say these kinds of things. When you fall down, when you're down, they say, look at you. You are a loser. You see, you, 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 I knew you were no good. Now you should know you're no good either. Look at you. That's where you belong. That's who you are. But that's not God saying that to us. Very different thing. But but it's a it's a common thing in Psalms. Uh, the Psalms it's it's written a number of times. Psalm 13. Uh, David says he's. He says, my enemy will say, and David's saying, God, you've got to come and help me right now. I'm I'm in a desperate place. He says, because my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. The enemies are, you know, they're saying all kinds of stuff. They're happy as anything when you and I fall. But that's not the end of the road. That's not the end of the story. Psalm 22, a very interesting passage. And Psalm 22 is actually uh, also called the Psalm of the Cross because it's prophetic about the cross. And, and many of the things in there are about, are about the cross. But verse 17 says, I count all my bones, and people stare and gloat over me. People stare and gloat over me. Who is he speaking about there? Speaking about Jesus on the cross, and they were mocking. They were laughing, they were gloating over him, and the enemy thought, you know, I've got him now. But it wasn't the end of the story, right? It wasn't over. Because that's what it says there in the very next phrase. He says, though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I have fallen, I will rise. I think we've got to go ahead here. In other words, I'm going to get up. I'm gonna get up now I I believe it's universal you know that that we all do stumble we all do fall for all the reasons that I mentioned already but then what then what do we do now if you if you think about the biblical examples there's a lot of examples in the Bible right of people who have fallen is that right I mean it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 right Adam and Eve, it starts with Adam and Eve, and it, and it kind of goes all the way through. You think about Abraham and some of the very stupid things that he did. Moses, uh, you know, blew it, failed, fe- uh, fell. Uh, David, of course, we know his story, a, a tragic story. And, and then we think in the New Testament about people like Peter. In a strange sort of way, well, maybe it's not so strange, we get encouraged by reading the, about these people in the Bible who blew it, right? Why? Because we can relate to that. Like, oh, well, you know, if Peter, you know, denied you, if Peter had problems, uh, you know, I can kind of relate to that. But, but we can't just stop there. You see, uh, I like this verse, and Alex quotes this verse. Uh, I've heard him quote it quite a few times. Uh, wherever Alex is, I don't see him. But this verse in Proverbs, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. What is he, what is he trying to say to us there? You got to get back up. Oh no, I've fallen too many times. I've made too many mistakes. I've blown it too many times. I can't get up now. I, I, I just can't. Where does that come from? Who's trying to tell you that message? Because the Bible here says, Proverbs says, the wisdom that comes from God is that he rises again, he gets back, he may may fall seven times, but he keeps getting back up again. This is one of my favorite commercials. (laughs) Help! You know, we joke about that, but that stuff really happens, right? I've fallen and I can't get up. You know, I was thinking, well, there's more to that, though, isn't there? Help, I've fallen and I won't get up. I'm too proud to ask for help. I'm too proud to pray and ask for forgiveness. I'm too proud to do anything. So I'm just going to wallow in this and stay down here. But I think the, the answer really should be, help, I've fallen and I must get up. I must get up. Help. First of all, we, we go to God, we say, God, you've got to help me. I've fallen and I must get up because I know you want me to get up. You don't want me to stay there. And that's kind of what we see. Look in the, in the verse there, he says, though I've fallen, I will rise, I'll get up. He says, though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. The Lord will be my light. You know, it's a very dark place when you fall, isn't it? It's lonesome, it's it's horrible, it's dark. When bad things happen and terrible stuff is going on, it's, it's a very dark place. But he says, the Lord will be my light. The Lord is our light. He's the light in that dark place. So, okay, God wants us to get up. A righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Well, how do we get up? That's the question, right? We we have to know how to get up. How do I do it? We have to to know that it's not just something we do ourselves. That's what we call humanism. I'm going to pull myself up, I'm going to get myself up. He says here, and he says, The Lord's going to be my light. But, But God is going to help us, God is going to get us up, God is going to give us the strength to get up. Look at verse 9 again. We'll read that again. He says, because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and establishes my right. He will bring me out into the light and I will see his righteousness. You see, that's how we're going to get up. Now again, there's lots of different ways that, that we fall and we fail. He speaks here, and, and, and he's speaking again for the nation of Israel, and many times it's our own sin, and our, and our sin uh, you know, is first and foremost against God. It may be secondarily against somebody else, but first and foremost it's against God, because God is, is perfect and God is holy. He's perfect in character. His, his law is perfect. And, and we know, in it, as, as the writer here says, that there are consequences to our Sin, He says, I'm going to bear the Lord's wrath and there are consequences because God is a holy God and we will reap what we sow. Lamentations says this, why should any living man complain when punished for his sins? But he doesn't stop there. It's not just you're going to get punished and that's it. You know, if you've got a child and you're raising a child and all you ever do is punish, 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 and you never help them up, you never show them the right way, you never help them and, and, and get them on the right path. Because he goes on to say there, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Yeah, we fall down, but we've got to get back up and we've got, we've got to return to Him, we've got to follow Him. But not, not only that, but He's going to help us. Notice what he says there. Until he pleads my case. Until he pleads my case. I want you to turn with me to First John chapter 1. That's all the way almost to the book of Revelation. If you can turn with me to First John chapter 1. Until he pleads my case, he said. First John chapter 1, let's look at verses 8-10 through 10 first. He says there, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and His word has no place in our lives. First of all, we're all sinners. He says if you, if you think you never do, you never have, you never will, oh, oh, you've already missed the mark right there already. But this is probably one of the most uh, well-known verses, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will uh, we'll forgive us for our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Because we all blow it. We all make mistakes. We all fall. But, but the way is open for us to come back. The way is open for us to come back. The way is there for us if we, if we will humble ourselves and confess our sins, saying, I blew it. I blew it. Why do we not want to say that? What do you think? Pride. You know, when you... It, it, in relationships with people when we make mistakes the first and best thing we can do if we have blown is to say listen I blew it I'm sorry I said something to my wife yesterday and uh, it didn't go over very well and I realized very quickly that I had blown it you know and I could have said well that's your problem babe But you know what I found after 39 years of being married, the best thing to do is that you know if you blow it, just get it out and get right quickly. That's why the Bible says, "Don't let the sun go down on your wrath." You know, get it done quickly. So I said, "You know what? I'm really sorry. I that was very rude. What I just said to you." And you know, about 10 minutes later, she forgave me. (laughs) No, it was probably quicker. It's probably more like nine. (laughs) he says if we confess our sins he's faithful he's faithful and he just he will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness if you fall what do you got to do you got to go before God first and foremost we got to deal with him like he said in, in Micah there, you know, our, our sin is first and foremost with him. David figured that out in Psalm 51. You know, he said, my sin is against you and you only. Well, it hurt a bunch of other people, but primarily it's between us and God. Look at chapter 2, 1 John, verses 1 and 2. He says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. The first thing he says, listen, I, it's not like uh, I'm writing this to you so that you can just go out and do anything you want to do, knowing that you can come and confess it and get forgiven. Right? Now, Paul talks about that in Romans. He, he says it too. Should we just go out and sin so that grace would abound? Because grace says, I'm going to forgive you. Grace says, you know, you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give you uh, forgiveness, and that's what he says here. If you come and confess, you will be forgiven. God is faithful. He will forgive. He will cleanse. But the point of it isn't so that we can just say, well, I'm just going to sin and get forgiven later. He says, he says, it's better, I write this to you so that you will not sin. So that you will not sin. You know, I've, I've, I've learned this by, uh, by experience. It's better n- to not sin than to sin and be forgiven. Way better. Why? Because there, as I said earlier, there's consequences. You know? There's consequences when we blow it. There's consequences. There's fruit that comes out of it. There's bad fruit that comes up. What we sow, we will reap. There's no stopping that. Now, we can be completely and totally forgiven, but if I go and rob a bank somewhere, and I can go to God and say, forgive me, and guess what God's going to do? He will forgive me for that. But I still am going to have to pay the price, and I'll probably spend time in jail for what I did. But I can be completely and totally forgiven for that. So the kind of the fruit of it, it's it's way better to not sin than to sin and be forgiven. But both are true. Does it make sense what I'm saying to you? Okay. So that's what he starts off by saying there in verse 1. He says, but... If anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. That's what Micah said, right? He pleads our case. He pleads our case. He speaks to the Father in our defense. Now, is he, is he there at the, at the Father, you know, speaking to the Father, saying, you know, he's innocent, he he didn't do it, you know. Like the ju- you know you, you got a you're on trial. You got a, a lawyer, and he's saying, you know, he, my client is innocent. Well, <laughs> Jesus is speaking. He's like a lawyer for our defense. But the truth is, he can't say my client is innocent, right? My client is guilty. My client is guilty, but. Look at verse 2. He says, He that is Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. In other words, the price is paid. He pleads our case, not that we're innocent, but the, the judgment has been taken. The judgment, the price has been paid. And, and that's what he can say to the Father in our defense. That's when he pleads our case to those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ. We believe in him. We believe in what he did on the cross. If you, have, if you are not a believer, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, it's a different story, right? You, can't, you don't have that same lawyer speaking on your de- defense. In your behalf. He can't plead your case, right? Because you don't belong to him. You're not in his his family. Very, very important for us to make that distinction. It's not universal. He's just up there. He died for the sins of the whole world. But it's applied only to those who receive the forgiveness that he came to give. That he provided for us. He pleads our case. I want you to know where these verses are. So, so, not if, but when you find yourself in a desperate and terrible a situation, if you fall, and you can, you can find these verses and you can read them and say, Lord, this is what your word says. I feel horrible. It's not based on how I feel, but it's based on what he says. That if I confess, that Jesus, you'll speak to me. Why? Because you are the toning sacrifice. For my sins. You've paid the price. The atoning sacrifice for my sin. You've paid the price for my sin. Truthfully, that's the only way we're going to get up. That's the only way is through the cross. That's the only way we can come to God and say, God, help me. And he says, I, I did. I sent Jesus and he died for you so that you can get back up again. Let's turn back to Micah. Micah chapter 7. He said there, He will plead my case and He established my right. He will bring me out into the light and I will see His righteousness. That's what He'll do for you. That's what He does for me. He'll bring us out into the light and we'll see His righteousness because if it was based on our righteousness, we'd be waiting a long time. If we're honest. A couple more of the Psalms. I don't know why the Psalms are so kind of full of some of these passages, but in Psalm 145, he says, The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. That's what he does. That's what he wants to do. Psalm 37, 24, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Down but not out. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm thinking for you and for me to be down. It's part of life. It's what happens. We don't make excuses for it. Well, it's just part of who I am, so I'm just going to go do it anyways. No. But when we find ourselves in that position, to look to him, to pray, to ask him, Lord, you want me to get back up. That sin, that fault, that failure has been paid for on the cross by Jesus. Verse 10 there in Micah 7, he says, Then my enemy will see it and will be covered with shame. She She who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? And my eyes will see her downfall. And even now she will be trampled underfoot like mire in the streets. In other words, God is going to deal with the enemies. Our enemies will get theirs, right? Verse 11, he says, The day for building your walls will come, the day for extending your boundaries. And in that day, people will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt, even from from Egypt to the Euphrates, and from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. The earth will become desolate because of its inhabitants as, as the result of their deeds. But God has a plan. He says, The day for building your walls will come. Again, the nation of Israel was going to be wiped out, taken away into captivity, but did they come back? Yes. God says, I have a future and I have a hope for you despite your failures, despite you falling. And I believe the same is true for you and me that God has a plan despite our failures. He has a plan, he has a purpose and a hope for you. The enemy says it's too late. You're too far gone. You're never going to make it. God says, you're going to make it. I have a plan, I have a purpose for you. What do we do do when we fall? We have to get back up, right? With God's help. That's what we need to do. I read this Jewish proverb. He said, Dear God, help me get up. I can fall down by myself. That's good. Dear God, help me get up. I can fall down by myself. For those of you who didn't get it the first time. You know, that's what we need. That's what we need. I was thinking about this, too, in a couple other verses that I read. You know, God... God helps us up, but you know, sometimes he he uses people, right? In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Something about friendship, something about fellowship, that that we need to help each other get back up. If you see your brother or sister falling, you don't just walk away, you don't just... Uh, you know, write them off. You say, I I, I, want to help you. I want to encourage you. Yeah, maybe you have blown it, but you know what? You got to get back up. Got to get back on the track. You got to get back in the race. Paul says in Galatians 6, he says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. That's what we're called to do. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. You also can fall too. We don't have time to read it all, but I—I was—I found in First uh, Kings chapter 19. You know the story about Elijah, and uh, you know he had this incredible victory. But then he got threatened uh, by the king's wife, and what did he do? He ran. And he was completely despondent. He was depressed. He was out in the wilderness and, you know, thinking it's all over. And he he basically was, he's saying, Lord, just take me home because I don't want to, I don't want to do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. And what did God say to him? Okay, Elijah, come on up. No, he said, Elijah, get up and eat. He said, "Get up and eat." In fact, he told it to him twice because maybe he didn't get it the first time, I don't know. "Get up and eat." "Get up and get moving. Your your time isn't done yet. There would come a time when God would actually take Elijah up, right? He did. But not yet. Not yet. Maybe you think you've fallen too far, you're too far gone, or you're, you, you get yourself into a place like that at some point. Never too far. Never. Let me read to you from the Gospel of Luke. As Jesus approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her, and when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said... Don't cry. And then he went up and he he touched the coffin. And those carrying it stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. God has come to help His people. What did What did Jesus say to the to the young man? He was, I guess, he was pretty far gone, don't you think? He said, "Young man, I say to you, get up." He says that to you and me too. Get up. It's not too far. You're not. You're not beyond hope. Because God has come to help His people. One more poem, and we'll close. Uh, I don't know who this person is, but this person writes this. I have fallen, Lord, once more. I can't go on. I'll never succeed. I am ashamed. And I don't dare look at you. And God answers, ask my pardon and get up quickly. You see, it's not falling that is the worst, but staying on the ground. Ask my pardon and get up quickly. I think he says the same thing to you and me today, right? Let's pray.